0: The Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. In these readings that we've read from both yesterday and today, we see the sovereignty of, of God over creation. But that's not what I intend to meditate on. We see two events of death in which God raised people from the death. Yesterday in, in Vespers. Was the story of the centurion who is not a believer who asked um christ that he could heal his kid and actually he sent jews on his behalf to ask christ and christ they told christ this man deserves it um because he's a good man and he has built our our temples and then as we just read it was the story of of lazarus so the lord knew that lazarus was sick and the Lord knew that Lazarus was going to die. We see that very clearly because he tells the apostles before they even hear a word what the intention is. He says, we're going to be going to Bethany um, because Lazarus is asleep. And the disciples don't get it. And they, as it says, they thought he meant he was resting. And so they say, well, if he's resting, no big deal. Um, and Christ says, no, he's dead. And it's better for, the, for you that that happened, that you might see the glory of God. But the question of why didn't he do something is the question that Mary and Martha ask, and often the question that many of us ask. And usually that's a bad question, but it's usually the first question, because the question always assumes that we're innocent. Right? The question usually assumes that, that no wrong is supposed to happen to me, and that I'm innocent, and that nothing should happen. But is this something that we ask A lot but all evil is the result of the fall right disease and death entered into the world because of the fall of man and all evil is a result of free will right no evil proceeds from god all evil comes from either my own decisions or someone else's decisions but they're not coming from god god isn't gonna wake up one morning now that he sleeps and say i've decided i want to do an evil thing today humans do that but God does not do that. And humans do it to one another even, but our Lord does not do it to us. But the context of the fall has created a world in which evil happens, right? It's almost as if if you can picture a room in which somebody threw a tantrum one day and broke all of the glasses in the, in the room and the lamps in um, the mirrors. And yet everybody's living in that room, right? People are walking around, there's broken glass everywhere. You now live in a room that has injury built into it, right? You're, you're in a room now where you're going to get hurt by walking around, and it's not because somebody is always actively wanting you to be hurt, but because something wrong happened that produces more wrongs. So this is the context of a fallen world: is that we're in one in which there's already hurt and there's already brokenness, and we meditate on other days on how our Lord solves this. But this is why we say the fall is the reason for things, right? It's not just to say, oh, well, Adam made some mistake and now we're all paying for it. Well, yes, he did, but also because of the context which changed is that Adam is not constantly trying to do something to us. The glass is on the floor. And if you tread normally, it is easy for you to get injured. So there's nothing shocking about death. We all want to prevent it but it's inevitable. But certainly, some deaths seem more dignified than others. So we need to ask, why not do anything, even though, as we said, it's not always the right question? Number one is that we must exercise our own free will when we are rational enough to do so. Right? There's a difference between leaving an infant to his or her own free will and leaving an adolescent And an adult right is that free will needs to be respected but according to the knowledge um, that each person has our lord respects this is that we have to be able to make decisions and if we're going to be able to make decisions we have to accept the consequences that come from it whether they be good or evil in our own eyes the second thing is because decisions must have consequences because decisions mean something we don't, we don't like this, even as adults. We like yelling at it at kids, but we, we don't like it very much. Imagine if every time your child did something wrong, you pretended it was okay. What would your child do? Your child would do more wrong. Imagine if every time your friend betrays your trust, you pretend they never did, even though you're hurt. What will get remedied by pretending that nothing happened? Imagine if every time your friend shoplifts, he gets a hookup from a friend who's a cop. What will make the person stop shoplifting? We often forget that something being wrong is the reason why we shouldn't do the wrong. It's because it is wrong existentially. We call it wrong because it produces results that are not right. Dealing with those effects that are not right becomes the reason for doing the right. It's very simple. If everyone ate unhealthily and there was no negative effect, then we should have no need to call it unhealthy because there's just no such thing as health. But because there is such thing as health, then there is such thing as non-health. Because there is such thing as rightness, there is such thing as wrong. And wrong is wrong because it goes against something that is good. It goes against the thing that is healthy. And that is why God teaches us what righteousness is. But today we want magic pills. We want to avoid definitions. We want a pill that makes unhealthy food healthy. We want a constitution that says that the thing that I want to do is right. We want a priest or a servant who affirms us with whatever opinion we have. We do not want to be exposed to the possibility of our wrongs because it's uncomfortable we have some strange idea that those who follow god are somehow not subject to natural consequence look at the language used in both the miracles of the resurrection and the two gospels that we referenced the priest coming to jesus on behalf of the centurion say he is worthy of this because he loves our nation and even built us our synagogue Mary and Martha each in turn say, if you were here, this wouldn't have happened, as though by association with God, whom they didn't even yet recognize as God, they are somehow exempt from the natural law of death, right, as though somehow because they are friends with somebody that they think is religious, no wrong, even what's natural could occur to them. This is not the gospel. In fact, the epistles also speak today about doing righteousness, but to expect wrong to happen because the whole world isn't willing to do right. We don't want wrong in our lives, and we skirt consequences. Unfortunately, there is such thing as wrongness. It might not have a a substance or physical form, but it's expressed physically. Our Lord, as a good parent, allows us to learn from our wrongs, And even often works good from our wrongs. But although he's not always fixing the wrong or preventing the wrong out of respect for us and our autonomy, our free will, what he does do is be with us in it. If you look at the story of Lazarus, it's clear that he intentionally didn't fix this natural wrong, death, but delayed his going to Bethany to make sure that Lazarus was quite dead to work a miracle from it. This shows us a few things about him. First is that there may be something bigger going on than we realize when something is going on. I know a father in in Kuwait who wanted his daughter to learn from her wrongs while she's studying abroad in, in Ukraine. She was breaking all sorts of rules and acting rebelliously, taking advantage of the long distance between her and her dad. And so he threatened her and he told her that he was buying her a one-way ticket when she was done exams and she wouldn't be allowed to return to the Ukraine to continue her studies. In factuality, he absolutely had no intention of not sending his daughter back to school. He was going to send his daughter back. He told her that he was not, but he he was going to. But he was trying to scare her. I'm not going to comment on whether that's a, a right method or a wrong method. I'm using an example to say that sometimes we ourselves in our humanity are forced to watch as our children or friends believe something with their short-term vision that they think is horrible, while knowing that the long-term is something very good, that we ourselves have this, this concept. Maybe you're helping them get through a semester with a big reward coming, or maybe there's a rough surgery that somebody is gonna go through that they're very scared about or they're very worried about, but that rough surgery is gonna bring some other health benefit from it and make their life better as a whole, even though they might be short-term worried. We do endure hardship for the sake of something greater. The second thing is that God works good from the wrong. In this particular miracle, God raised Lazarus from the dead. But sometimes the good is, is not as, as dramatic as this. If you look at Jacob, for example, Jacob, it was God's will for him that, that he be blessed. But Jacob erred greatly in how he took the blessing. Jacob was deceptive, him and his mother. Right? He plotted with his mother against their father, and they lied. And the result of this was that he had hardship, right? Because wrong decisions... Have wrong consequences. So Jacob was a fugitive, right? Jacob had to flee from his own house. He had to go live with his uncle Laban. But we see that, in spite of this, that God didn't say, "Well, you made a wrong; therefore, you're you're cursed forever," right? Nor did did He undo and take him back in time miraculously and undo the mistake he made. But He gave him blessing where he was. He increased his livestock. He gave him wives and he taught Jacob the humility that was needed to then reconcile with his brother afterwards. Or if we look at Joseph, so in Jacob's case, Jacob was responsible for his own mistakes. Joseph arguably was a victim and that he was, he was sold. I mean, he, he provoked his brothers on some level, but at the same time, he was, he was innocent, right? He should not have been put into slavery. And even when he did a right. Right When he refused to fall into sin out of respect for his master, he was imprisoned. And even when he was in prison, even when he hooked people up in prison, they forgot him. Right. So he was a victim. And yet, God turned the wrong into blessing. Right? God turned Joseph into an image of success, not just to his brothers, but to the whole nation of Egypt. Arguably, he may be the reason why the the Pharaoh that, that came after Joseph was monotheistic, right? This is the kind of thing that God can work for those who work with him. So God honors our freedom so much, but at the same time allows us to see the natural consequences of decisions that we make, hoping that we learn and care for the gift of freedom and try and exercise that gift rightly and without abuse. We are so uncomfortable admitting that our predicaments that bring us grief are typically our own causing. At the same time, he walks with us and in us through time and wholly, completely aware of our tribulations, endures them with us. He emptied himself, as we read in the Pauline epistle, and took the form of a servant. And St. Paul uses an expression that may be a stronger translation. Um, instead of saying, he thought it not robbery with god is that he says that he thought his equality with god was a thing not to be abused or something not to be exploited is a as is a, is a more accurate word is that he's saying that even though he is equal to god he is god he didn't see this as a reason to exploit the people but rather instead of lording over us emptied himself and took the form of a servant that he denied his dignity as god and became in the form of humanity for us this is the length that he's willing to go to be with us in our tribulations to remedy our tribulations he took on all of humanity and all of its weaknesses and all of its natural emotions and this is why he's able to identify with us in our problems This is why the gospel writer cared to add the one short verse that Jesus wept, right, is that he took on the realness of the human condition, because he is fully cognizant and aware of the suffering of humanity in every way. More importantly, though, is that the point of everything is life, is renewal, is unity with God. My nature has in it corruption and death, that's a fact, but it is not so if I am united to Christ. This is why Martha was both right and wrong in what she said. It was true if the Lord was there that her brother wouldn't have died, but it was, also, it was also not true. It was false if Jesus was just a prophet or a man, because in spite of his gifts, no normal man can give one power over death. But it was true in spite of this because he wasn't and isn't just a man, He is God and he is the author of life. And in our unity to him we find the power and grace that gives us power over life and nature and death because the power is not our own but the grace of God that lives in us. May we all seek to be united to him, the resurrection, because if we do we will find life in the hardest of places. We will find light and joy in diseases and sorrows and losses and pain because we will know that our Lord is weeping with us in our night of weeping. But is also working from it, resurrection, waiting for the day to tell us, Lazarus, come forth. Glory be to our God forever and ever into the age of all ages. Amen.